0: So how many of you are golf fans? Okay, a few. If you really want to get a good nap on a Sunday afternoon or anytime, time, just turn on golf and uh, it will definitely put you to sleep. Although today is different because this is uh, the Masters weekend and it's actually pretty exciting to, uh, to watch, especially on a Sunday. Uh, as, or sometimes it, it does go into Monday uh, due to the weather, but I think they're going to wrap it up this afternoon, and it will be exciting to see who wins the the final uh, championship and uh, becomes the uh, one who gets to don that green jacket. Uh, but if you have ever watched, you see that there are thousands of people who go to Augusta, Georgia to see this, and I was watching a little bit of it on TV yesterday, and it's just such a beautiful course, such a uh, painful course if you're out there playing it, apparently, uh, that it is uh, quite treacherous in places. And uh, if you don't have a floating golf ball, I think Randy has floating golf balls. If you don't have one, then uh, you're going to be in the water quite a bit. Uh, But you can see the uh, crowds that are gathered around here, lots of people. And golf is a quiet sport. So it's Very interesting when you see that many people out on a golf course when you have to have absolute quiet uh, in order for them to play, right? If someone's getting ready to tee off, uh, it has to be completely quiet so the the crowd goes from talking or maybe cheering on the next hole over to absolute silence so that the the golfer can focus and put complete attention on what uh, he is getting ready to do. And the same thing would be true, if not even more true, uh, when they are putting in, especially on the 18th hole to finish out, that they have to be able to concentrate. And so they have marshals who go out there. And I have gone to, I haven't been to the Masters, but I've been to uh, some of these uh, golf tournaments, and they will, uh, the marshals will hold up, and you'll see here, this is a southern version. (laughs) Hush, y'all, right? Right? Uh, You'll get one of those because they want to make sure and they realize that anything can happen when you have a crowd of people gathered together, right? Anything can happen and so they watch out to make sure the right things happen. Well, as people gathered on the streets, as Jesus was making his way to Jerusalem, uh, there was a large crowd. We don't have the exact number. Uh, we don't know if it went from hundreds to thousands or how many people were there. But those who were there were very excited. Uh, they were very curious about what was going on and as Jesus, and they, I am sure, had heard a lot about Jesus already. And chances are they saw Jesus maybe at some point uh, in in their city or you know, as He was passing through town and as He may have healed someone in their family, or maybe uh, someone who was related to the blind man, or someone who had demons. Jesus had been involved in that person's life, and they knew there was something special, something different about this man. And so as they gathered on the streets, anything could happen. And the, the Romans were very attentive to this, because every time Passover was taking place, it seemed like violence would break out. Something would happen in the cities. The, the zealots uh, would get, uh, take an opportunity to, to do something to stir the crowd and to try to oppose the Roman government, and especially those who wanted a violent overthrow. They were sick and tired of being oppressed by the Romans. And so I am sure they were worried about this particular entrance that Jesus was making into Jerusalem. People were so excited. And they were calling out what we have already heard in the scripture this morning. Hosanna. What a beautiful word. Why don't you say it with me this morning? Because we're going we're to talk about this word as we go through the week. Hosanna. Hosanna. It is a word that, that means essentially, Lord, save us. Deliver us. It is a, a word that is uh, a way to give praise and adoration to someone. And so this someone that they had been looking for was passing through town. And so they go out with their palm branches. Uh, they, they go out putting their clothes, their cloaks on the ground. In other words, they're showing royal, uh, a sign of royalty and a, a welcome to royalty that is passing through. And so Jesus comes through, not on a stallion or, uh, you know, this beautiful creature, but on a donkey. And as he rides through, they are cheering and chanting, and it's a a wonderful time. But as we think about that word that they are using, uh, I want you to think about it as you go through the week. It's not one that you would normally use in uh, your conversation, like when you go to work tomorrow uh, and you say, uh, you know, somebody says, how was your weekend? You say, well, you know, uh, we, we um, went to church and chanted Hosanna. Uh, or, you know, you just wouldn't use that in, in, in a lot of different ways. It's a beautiful word. And the word speaks to our need. And that's why we need to continue saying it. The people who were gathered there on the streets, this was not the elite of society. And you can you can see uh, in some of the, the different paintings and the things, uh, there are lots and lots of different images for Palm Sunday. And uh, there are, are some that um, look a lot like this with crowds gathered around. Uh, there are some where you see people in trees or you see Jerusalem off in the distance. Uh, as we read the gospel, different gospel accounts of this, you, you get a feel for all that must have been taking place, but they are a people in need. And I've already mentioned about the Roman oppression, Uh, people who had been beaten down, people who had had their property taken away from them, people who had uh, been crucified or people in their families who had been crucified out on the edge of the city. Uh, There were all kinds of terrible things that were going on in their world. And so they were calling out for someone to come and to meet their need. And so the cry goes up, Hosanna, this is our salvation. This is the one who is coming to save us. Well, have you ever been in a restaurant and a baby starts to cry? What, what do you do when that happens, if it's close to you? What? Check, please. Check, please, okay. I'm glad you at least get the check, Bill. But we don't like it. It you know it's annoying and, and uh, you know it's hard to uh, uh, to be able to talk to somebody across the table when this is going on. Uh, Wall Street Journal wrote an article recently about babies' cries, and not necessarily about in restaurants. But the question is, a baby's cry just sounds like any other baby's cry, right? The uh, article reports that new medical research is showing that each newborn's cry can signal a lot more than just if she is hungry or tired. Subtle differences in cry characteristics can provide important clues on how hospitals and others should treat babies. So doctors at Brown University have also devised a computer program that analyzes babies' cries. Wouldn't that be interesting to, like, if you could get the real translation Uh, You know, when a baby is really angry and uh, wants to communicate something to you. Uh, The program breaks down cries into 12.5 millisecond frames and then measures the cry factors like pitch and volume, voicing. And voicing refers to how clear the cry sound is. Uh, One of the doctors quoted in the article said, we can start right at birth. The analysis of crying can tell you if there's something wrong with the baby's nervous system, even in the absence of routine signs on physical and neurological exams. Research has shown that even healthy babies can have signs on physical uh, exams and neurological exams that indicate something is wrong with the central nervous system. So when a baby cries, there's a reason for it. Maybe it's just that it's hungry or, or it needs to be changed. Uh, or, uh, and I was so in tune with all of these <laughs> when we had babies. But there's something going on. And sometimes it is something uh, that needs to be addressed and something that needs to be dealt with. Something that causes a threat to the life of that child. We can pay attention to cries. What we see with Jesus as he's entering into Jerusalem is that that he is paying attention to the cries of people all around him. The cries of the people are not like uh, everybody else's cries. These are some intense cries of suffering and anguish and a longing for things to be made right. And I think we can identify, even as we... Did our own mock processional and pretended just for a moment that we are like those people. And maybe we are in many ways. We have a need as well. All of us have a need. Now, some of us are better at covering it up, not wanting anybody else to know about our need. We may not even want to to cry in public, we don't want people to know. But we have needs. Certainly, we recognize uh, the spiritual needs that are there, that, that we have a need for the sin in our life and, and a need for reconciliation. And we find so much uh, that is here, especially in Matthew's gospel, about reconciliation and bringing us in sync with God. And that's what Jesus was doing. As God's agent in the world, he was pointing people, to to God and saying, be reconciled and and get get in relationship with God and spoke of the need for forgiveness, the things that we have done to God, but also the things that we have done to each other, the way we have not loved ourselves, we've not loved our neighbors, we've not loved uh, people who are neighbors across the world. We have a great need for redemption and to say, Lord, Save us, Lord. Save me. But there is also that need of kingdom. These people were looking for a better kingdom. This Roman kingdom was not good for them. And they were longing for this kingdom of God that their parents had told them about. And and their parents' parents. and, And all the way back, they had been telling the stories about what God wanted to do in the world and how God was active in the world. And they knew the prophets had talked about this. This was something deep in their souls and they were longing for a Messiah, for a leader to come and to take them into this new kingdom. And we are people in need of a kingdom, aren't we? We are in need of a better way in this world. I don't have to cite examples. We can look in our, our news feed and, and look around us today and, and see very clearly that the kingdom and the kingdoms of this world are not working. That there must be a better way. Lord, save us. But also purpose. We have a need for purpose. There's something inside of us that longs for completion. We want to know why we're here. And this comes and goes throughout life, doesn't it? At different times in our lives, we, we sense this more than others. Sometimes we feel like we're completely living our purpose and what God has for us to do in this world. But something might come into our lives and change that and we begin to wonder, why am I here? And should I even be here? And God speaks to us through this Hosanna. Yes, you have purpose. And your purpose is made complete in Jesus. So Hosanna speaks to our need, but it also, when we use this word, it speaks to our hope. So say it again. Hosanna. Hosanna. All right, y'all are getting better at that. Uh, It has to escalate, though, each time, right? Uh, thank you. He got it. All right, you win the special prize. I'm not sure what that is, but we'll find one. But Hosanna expresses our hope. And these people were in need of hope, weren't they? They were uh, desperate. There was nothing, no resource they had within themselves. They didn't have money and, and uh, didn't really even have the arms to be able to do what they felt like needed to be done. But they looked at Jesus and they thought, wow, this guy has power. He he raised up Lazarus uh, from the dead. He also healed that blind man. Uh, He was able to understand everything that happened in the life of that woman he talked with at the well. He was able to win over Nicodemus. I mean, we saw Nicodemus going to his house in the middle of the night. There is just something about Jesus, and we realize we don't have that, but Jesus is for us, and we put our hope in Jesus. There was uh, an article in the uh, the news not too long ago that uh, CBS had a story about a guy named Mike Vilhauer, and he just wanted to go fishing, right? I saw a lot of people out fishing Yesterday, as I was driving around, uh, it was a perfect day to go fishing. Uh, That doesn't mean that uh, you would catch anything, but it was a pretty day to do it. But luck wasn't with him. After wandering a short distance from his route to look for crickets to use as bait, Wilhauer soon became lost. He was unable to reach police due to a weak cell phone signal and made several unsuccessful attempts at finding his way back. Wilhauer managed to stay alive by drinking out of puddles and stream beds along the way. That'll give you a real stomach ache, by the way. Uh, he also made a shelter using pine needles and willow branches to stay warm. After enduring five days without food or clean water, he wasn't certain he was going to survive, but he wasn't ready to give up. Hearing helicopters flying overhead, He gets an idea. He decides to spell out an eight-foot-tall sign that said, Help on the ground with the use of the pine needles. And as the helicopters came by, he was brought to safety uh, as they spotted his sign and obviously read it and stopped and picked him up. I wonder what sign we give to show that we are expressing hope in a rescue from God? How is it that we express that hope? Some people express it in in particular ways. There are certain ways maybe that we've grown up with, or maybe for them they just begin to go to this name, this Hosanna that they had been looking for for so long. But I wonder, in your life, how is it? In what ways do you express your hope for God to save you? We have great opportunity in this week to do that because we we recognize our need of hope. We have a need of hope for the poverty that we are in. Maybe it's financial poverty, but there's also spiritual poverty. And maybe you're feeling a bit empty today. Maybe you're feeling dry and you are in need of, of refreshment. And as we come to the end of Lent, as we enter into this week, we enter into a very bountiful time of refreshment. There's so much that's going on in this last week of Jesus, and we are invited to pay attention. But there is also the need for peace. It's been a scary week, and we wonder about peace in our world as we recognize uh, North Korea and and missiles that uh, they point in our direction and uh, the things that have happened in Syria um, and and the uh, the violence and the horrible poisoning of children and adults and the deceit and the deception and and all the things that are going on and the things that we hear about in, in Russia and the things that we hear about right here in our own nation and in our own community. And we have a longing for peace. And we are able to look at Jesus and see that there is hope just as they looked at Jesus walking down the street that day. We are to express our hope in that way. The hope of victory over evil the hope of access to God. As Jesus was going to Jerusalem, he posed a, a major threat to Jerusalem. And as we look in Matthew's gospel, he gets right to the point uh, of going in to Jerusalem and cleanses the temple. John, the gospel of John, puts this in a different place. But what we see in Matthew's gospel is that Jesus storms into the temple, starts turning over tables and has this righteous indignation, has a whip that he is cracking. He is very upset, and it all relates to access to the temple or access to God. And what Jesus is saying is you are denying access to the people God wants to come into the temple. And really, Jesus was getting in trouble for saying that he was the access to God. The hope that we have of connection with God. Well, finally, Hosanna is a word as we use it. It identifies Jesus as our leader. As we say Hosanna, we are saying you are our leader. And that's what they were saying out on the road that day. I don't know if you can see it in the, in the image here. But there are a lot of eyes that are glued on Jesus as he is walking, as he is riding by. And there is uh, that look there, and you even see some in, in the, the rear there that are following. So people are moving from being on the sidelines with their palms to getting in line behind Jesus. And they didn't understand why Jesus was Going into Jerusalem. They had their own views and thoughts about what he should do, but they certainly didn't think it was going to end in a cross. But they began to follow and to go after Jesus. And we have that opportunity of following as well. There's a great quote on leadership from uh, M.D. Arnold, and it says, A good leader leads the people from above them. A great leader. Leads the people from within them. Isn't that what Jesus is doing here? As their leader, he is leading from something that is inside of them. He is connecting with them on a very deep level. Come and follow me. And he would continue to say those words. We can identify Jesus as our leader as well. I wonder if you have done that. Well, one way we can do that this week is to listen. I appreciated uh, Kyle's invitation uh, for our Maundy Thursday uh, service. It it is always a time when we are able to sit and to reflect. It is a, a rather quiet service. But you will hear Scripture going all the way through the rest of the week as we have an opportunity to think about what it was like for Jesus to to go through each one of those steps. In fact, this year, Chuck Meehan uh, from Volunteers of America will be here with us in a part of that service to lead us through the 14 stations of the cross. And it's a very moving time as we walk with Jesus all the way to the cross. I hope you will come and participate, and more than anything else, to listen, to listen. But also, it comes from confessing. We identify Jesus as our Hosanna by confessing. So this week, I want to challenge you to say Hosanna all week long. When you say your prayers, use that word, Hosanna. When you're driving down the street and and it's just maybe you in the car, you could do it if somebody else is in there, but you might want to explain uh, what you're doing. But just say Hosanna you might even break loose into you know saying it like three or four times hosanna 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 lord save me but confessing the ancient confession that we use with baptism is jesus is my lord it was as simple as that that's what the early christians would say jesus is my lord in other words caesar is not my lord I am not bowing to the Roman government or any government. I am bowing before Christ. And then we act. We follow. We become those who get in line behind Jesus and follow wherever he leads. Well, this is Holy Week starting today. And I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're part of this crowd as we have gathered The crowd will be moving, and anything can happen. What will happen in your life as we go through this week? Let us pray.